0: We're going to dive into a conversation talking about some of the issues that face us online, specifically youth. Are you a parent that is a little concerned with what your child might be exposed to online, even if you've got a young child and you're thinking, what's the future really going to look like for them? Our next guest uh, is researching harms experienced by Canadian youth online as our online world changes she's associate professor of sociology and canada's research chair in inequality and gender at western university caitlin mendez caitlin thanks so much for making the time for the show hi thanks for having me so okay let me just clarify here you are just at the beginning of what's going to be a five-year research study is that right what are you hoping to accomplish what's the study about
1: That's right. So this is actually really similar to a study that I completed in the UK uh, during 2021 with British youth. So in Canada, we're going to be talking to 13 to 18-year-olds across Canada just to talk to them about. What's going on when they go online? What sorts of things are they experiencing? What kinds of harms are they experiencing? And how do they understand it? Where do they go for help? Do they do they think that the things that are happening to them are, are even wrong? And uh, what kind of supports do they want
0: as they kind of navigate their way in this digital future? Okay, so a huge undertaking then to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> what, are you, what are you hoping to accomplish or to, to try to parse out and discover here? There's a few things.
1: The first actually know very little about young people's experiences. So a lot of decisions that are made about young people are actually happening without talking to young people themselves. So the first thing we want to do is talk to young people directly to find out what's going on. So that fills a really important gap. And that gap is really important to fill because if we're thinking about developing policies or curriculum or laws, we really need to make these based on evidence. So the longer term goal is to actually change policies, change laws, change the way that we're supporting young people with their use of digital technologies because the technology is not going away. It may seem scary but I think it's really important to make sure that young people have the skills and the supports and all of the other scaffolding that they need to really be able to you know use digital technologies in an empowering way. Digital technologies can be a tremendous tremendous benefit But when things go wrong, we need to also make sure that, you know, perpetrators are held accountable, tech companies are doing all that they can to, you know, make sure that young people's experiences online are positive and not negative and harmful.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think so many people listening are familiar with some of the stories that we've heard and understand, you know, at least on a surface level, that, yeah, there is a lot going on and probably a lot that we really don't know about. I think what's so challenging uh, about your work is that the online world is changing so rapidly. Do you anticipate mm-hmm. that being um, a, a, a big hurdle in your research? definitely
1: something we need to keep in mind. So even when we are creating new policies or guidance or laws, recognizing that, like you say, the landscape is changing so fast. There's new development, new kinds of risks, new kinds of harms that are happening all the time. But unless we're actually going out and talking to young people about what's going on, we're going to be making decisions based on false information, incomplete information, and it's really just not adequate to support young people through all of these changes. So It is a challenge. We definitely need lots more people uh, doing this kind of research. Um, So I would encourage, you know, uh, lots of people to, to kind of take up the mantle here and really get out there and talk to young people and find out what's going on.
0: You know, I think what's great is that you're coming into this with so much experience, having done a similar research study in the UK. How is this study going to be different? How is it going to piggyback on some of the research that you took away from that project?
1: Yeah, I mean, even we did that project in 2021. So I'm anticipating that things have changed since then. AI has really taken off. So if we think of things like deep fakes, the metaverse, you know, these are new developments that have really emerged, even since we did our research uh, in the UK. Canada is also a significantly bigger country. Um, You know, we have different languages. We have some people who live in really uh, rural areas versus, uh, you know, urban areas. This study, we're also specifically trying to talk to, young people who are maybe what we call um, gender minorities so not just boys and girls but trans kids non-binary two-spirit and sexual minorities as well and then also people who are racialized so indigenous youth so we're going to be going to yukon we're going to be going to you know places that maybe aren't studied as, as much as you know say young people in Toronto or kind of some of the big metropolitan areas so I think that there will be uh, some differences again just because the technology has changed but there could also be uh, some differences just based on where young people are and, and kind of who they are and the different identity characteristics that they
0: have. When you did your research based in the UK were there some things that that surprised you that you maybe want to look into further when it comes to this Canadian study?
1: Yeah, there's a few things that come to mind. The first thing that was really shocking is how young people are not going to trust adults in their life for help. Hmm. They are trying to deal with things on their own and that was quite worrying because it often did lead to poor mental health outcomes. Young people were anxious. They didn't want to tell their parents about bad things happening because they felt as they were going to be blamed schools they felt really didn't understand the context kind of uh, punish the victim. That's one key thing. The other key thing is parents really kind of take this role that technology is the solution. So all parents have to do is kind of put on a filter, put on an app and that'll keep their kids safe. But actually we found about 40% of young people knew how to bypass those parental filters and controls. So one of the things that I think is really important and I'm curious about talking to young people about is what kind of supports do they want? What kind of conversations do they need to have? happen and really trying to get that message across to parents also we need to think about the regulation of these tech companies. To what extent are tech companies considering young people's rights, their privacy, their safety when they're developing this technology? What kinds of measures can they put in place to make sure that digital spaces are fun and empowering and, you know, aren't causing harm in young people's lives? So I think that there is absolutely an element with government regulation, with holding big tech companies to account and getting them to really think about the design of the technology and again, how is this benefiting young people and enabling them to use these technologies in ways that benefit them and not harm them. You
0: know, I think you you describe a future where I hope that we do hold these these companies to account and hopefully there's some government involvement and some some real push from society to try to protect kids online because it is, it's real, the, the harm that they experience. And I'll tell you as a mom, I mean, it very much concerns me. My daughter's really young, but This is a world that she's going to grow up in. So, I mean, I can really see the value in your work and the importance of this. Why are you so passionate about this?
1: Well, again, I'm mother of three children. And again, I really want to make sure that, you know, digital technologies are positive and empowering and, you know, help my young, you know, my children as they kind of grow up in this new world. The technologies aren't going to go away. I think that's really important. You know, they are so integral in so many parts of our lives. So it's not about, you know, minimizing or necessarily reducing young people's use of technology, but thinking about how the tech could be better designed to help them navigate the world and again, making sure that, you know, tech companies are thinking about the range of users and they're designing them in a way. So yeah, as a mother, that certainly interests me. Um, And I think, yeah, just as a member of society, you know, we need to really think about the role that technologies are playing and thinking about the design and regulation. And it's changing so fast. And I think we really need research to really understand what is going on on the ground and how can that information be used to inform policies and education and support and regulation and laws.
0: Yeah, I really, Really look forward to your research and hopefully pushing the needle forward to try to create some sort of measurable change or or policy. Um, Caitlin, one last question. Is there something based on your research that parents can enact even now? Absolutely. I mean, parents
1: can't solve this problem alone and there needs to be broader changes. But if you're listening to this, take this as an opportunity to just talk to your children about what's happening when they go online? What are the things that they like? What are the things that they don't like or that they find weird or make them uncomfortable? And I think that's really important to have open lines of communication. You may not know all the answers, but I think just making sure that your children feel able to talk to you about what's going on is one important step. Parents can also educate themselves. You know, the digital world can feel scary. What is TikTok? What is Snapchat? There's lots of great YouTube videos, you know, parents can use to find out about the technology uh, that their children are using um, and that maybe might make them feel a little bit more confident when talking to them about what's going on
0: yeah do you recommend that a parent like set up their own account so they can sort of navigate it themselves and follow their kids
1: that's one idea the only thing is that parents' experiences of any platform is going to be different from their children's because the algorithms are so powerful. So parents' experience of something like Instagram may be very different to what their children are experiencing. So it's not a terrible idea, but it's also an important reminder that just because you think Instagram is cooking and dogs doesn't mean that's the kind of content your child is seeing. And these algorithms are powerful. Tech companies are collecting so much information about your children, and they're pushing them in ways that I I think a lot of parents maybe don't really understand the importance of algorithms. So find out about the, the, the platforms and the apps, but don't necessarily assume that your experience of them is the same as your child.
0: Do you think there's sort of an across-the-board age that kids should get to before being, uh, being on social media? What do you think is safe? <laughs>
1: That's a really good question, and I think some of the best practice guidance is saying it's not necessarily strictly about age, but it's about kind of developmental ability and capacity, which changes over time. So, you know, some of the research coming out is really kind of trying to say for certain apps, for certain platforms, um, you know, try to kind of minimize time online. But it, but it is really hard to say because there's some great content on TikTok. There's some harmful content. And I think if you're on the, the app for too long, how long is too long is kind of hard to say. And there's a lot of debate about screen time, the amount of screen time exactly. Uh, but I think a little bit of media, you know, isn't going to hurt a young child. But if they're on it for eight, 10 hours a day, I think we just don't know enough about the, the long-term impact yet. So I don't want to come out and say that there's a, a definitive age. I mean, the social media companies themselves suggest 13 should be the minimum age, but we know that you know, lots of younger kids are on it before then. So maybe as a parent, know your child. Does your child have uh, difficulties with impulse control? Are they finding it hard to switch off? I mean, these are important cues as well for thinking about how you're monitoring and potentially limiting their use of digital technologies, but equally not letting them go on it at all isn't necessarily what's best for the kids.
0: Okay, Caitlin, I I know that I told you that was gonna be the last question and then we just kept (laughs) going. (laughs) I think this research is so interesting. I can't wait to hear about your findings. Now I will let you go. Thank you so much for being on the show this afternoon. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Take care. You too. That's Caitlin Mendez, Associate Professor of Sociology and Canada's Research Chair in Inequality and Gender at Western University, taking part in, well, just launching a five-year research study looking at the harms experienced by Canadian youth online.